English with Rob. Hello there. Welcome to this, the second episode of the English with Rob podcast. I had some quite positive feedback about the first episode, so I thought, let's do it. I'm going to continue, and here is episode number two. This is still what I would call work in progress, meaning I'm not completely where I want to be with recording these podcasts. I still have some learning to do to perfect it, but work in progress means it will get better. I'm trying. This episode has a theme, and the theme is Britishness. Britishness. Being British, what do British people do? What do British people like? British things. Okay, so I need to start out by saying this will play on stereotypes. What is a stereotype? A stereotype is a generalization. It's a popular opinion, something that many people think about people from one country, but it's very, very simplified. So everything I'm going to talk about in this next section is a stereotype, and I want to start out by saying not all British people are like this. So I'm going to talk about some British. Characteristics, but not all British people are like this. And I will tell you which ones apply to me and which ones do not apply to me. But it's a stereotype. Let's think of some stereotypes about some other nations. And、um, stereotypes are difficult because it's a generalization and it can border on racism. But one positive stereotype is that German people are very organized. That's something British people say about the Germans. A stereotype. Another stereotype about German people is that if you're staying at a hotel, and German people are also staying at the hotel, they will wake up really, really early in the morning and take their towel and put it on the pool lounger, the pool lounger by the swimming pool.、Um, The thing—it's not a chair. It's like a chair, but you lie down on it. And if they put their towel on it, it's a way of reserving it. So one stereotype is that German people do this: they get up early in the hotel, put their towel on a lounger to reserve it. Okay, it's organized. Is it positive? You decide. So, the way I'm going to talk about Britishness is through a survey. That I found the results of a survey. These results of this survey are from the Metro, which is a British tabloid newspaper, and it's called "Top 30 Things That Make You British." So this newspaper obviously is aimed at British people, and it's telling the British people these are the top 30 things that make you British. And apparently, they did some proper research, or a company called One Poll. Did some proper research and they surveyed two thousand adults. Okay, so I'm going to go through each one from thirty until number one. Maybe some will surprise you. Maybe some are British stereotypes which you already have in your mind about British people. We'll see. So let's start right now at number thirty. Number thirty, the thing, the thirtieth thing 
Oh, there's some th pronunciation for you. The thirtieth thing, which which oh crikey, there's some pronunciation for me. The th- saying crikey is probably a very British thing. It's not on this list. The thirtieth thing which makes a British person British is putting ketchup on everything. Putting ketchup on everything. Ketchup is a tomato sauce. I'm sure you all know what ketchup is.、Um, personally, I don't like ketchup, so I do not play to this stereotype.、Um, is it true that British people put ketchup on everything? Maybe kids, maybe British kids put ketchup on on lots of things,、um, but British people would never put ketchup on a Sunday roast, on a Sunday roast dinner. We will talk about Sunday roast dinners later on. Okay, so there you go. Thirty putting ketchup on everything. Number twenty-nine. Never letting your emotions get the better of you. Never letting your emotions get the better of you. So there's an interesting phrase to get the better of you. And if something gets the better of you, it means it's too strong for you to control. For example, if you're watching a sad movie, maybe your emotions will get the better of you, and you will start to cry. That's one example of when something gets the better of you. Or if you have too much work, it might get the better of you, and you might decide to quit, or you might have a a strong discussion with your boss about how much work you're being given. It's, it got the better of you. Twenty-eight. This this one is interesting. This one does happen. Shouting "wahey" when someone drops a drink in the pub. Shouting "wahey" when someone drops a drink in the pub. And it's true if you're in a pub and you hear someone drop and smash a drink, many people in the pub will all go "wahey." Um, yeah, I didn't realize that was British. I thought it might happen in other countries too. Um, if you want to test this, you can. You can go to a British pub, and <laughs> if you want, you can drop your drink on the floor and see how many people go. Way. <laughs> this could be a test of how many British people are in the pub, how British the pub is.、Um, but if if you do it in London, it might be expensive because those drinks in London are expensive. Don't do it with a cocktail. Is my advice. Number twenty-seven. Being squashed on the train by a larger person and pretending you don't notice when they are half sitting on your seat. Being squashed on the train by a larger person and pretending you don't notice when they are half sitting on your seat. That's very, very specific, isn't it? Uh, okay. It's 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 in here.、Uh, I can't think of a time when it has actually happened to me.、Um, let's move on. Number twenty-six. Being tolerant, being tolerant. So, what is the adjective tolerant, or the verb to tolerate something? To tolerate something means to accept something you don't like. You tolerate it. For example, maybe at your work there is a colleague who you find completely annoying. Now, would you say to that colleague? Could you not talk to me, please? Because you're too annoying. Or 
I think I'm going to try and work in a different department because you're too annoying. No, you would normally try to tolerate that person. And if you do that, then you are tolerant. Okay, are British people tolerant? Yes, I suppose that's that's a fair generalization, I would say. Number 25, saying right before you're about to do something saying right before you're about to do something oh you know what i should have started this podcast by saying right here is episode number two i could have done it that would be a natural thing for me to say start a a sentence with right when i'm talking about something that i'm going to do yeah it's a fair thing um okay where are we now uh 24 moaning about your commute moaning about your commute so to moan means to complain is it as strong as complain complain is more official if you are at a hotel and you hate the room then you will go to the reception and you will complain but if you're in a a hotel room and you don't like it you might say to whoever you're in the hotel room with oh these beds aren't very comfortable i've got to sleep on this bed all night i don't like it there you're moaning moaning complaining so moaning about your commute and a commute is a journey which you do almost every day so if you drive walk ride a bike or cycle or take the train or take the bus to work every day in the same route then that is your commute and you are a commuter And apparently, the 24th most common thing that makes a British person British is moaning about their commute. Hmm. Well, that's probably because in the UK, the UK is quite congested, especially cities like London or Manchester or the city where I'm from, Leicester. There are lots of people living in small spaces. They all want to get to work. It's very busy. There might be a lot of traffic, a lot of people in your way. And your commute might be difficult. So, of course, you're going to moan about it. Okay, 23. Number 23. Respecting your elders. Respecting your elders. So, let's talk about that word, elders. Elders are people who are older than you. They are your elders. And there's also an adjective, elderly. Uh, The man found it difficult to walk because he was so elderly. And it's a polite way to say old. Do British people respect their elders? Uh, I I can't say. I can't say. I certainly respect my elders in my family and any elders that I come in contact with on the street in my daily life. Um... I think, doesn't everybody respect their elders, every nationality? Hmm. Okay, next. 22. Wearing shorts and sunglasses the second the sun comes out. Wearing shorts and sunglasses the second the sun comes out. The second something, the second something happens means instantly, straight away. Yes, I think British people do do that. Um, It's because, you know, we have not such nice winters and long um 
long autumn and a, a slow spring to get warm and then when it's warm oh great i can get my shorts out i can wear a t-shirt i can get my sunglasses yes i think british people do do that 21 holding the door open for someone when they are unnecessarily far away so they end up running for the door hmm holding the door open for someone when they are unnecessarily far away so they end up running for the door this does happen someone's coming okay you go through a door you have a look behind you someone's coming but they're a bit far away and you always have that thing do i hold the door open or do i not and i feel like if i don't hold the door open it's rude but if i'm on the other end and i'm walking along and i'm going to i'm going to go through a door in a few meters there's someone in front of me and they've they've just opened the door and they're holding it i'm thinking oh man if 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 i keep walking at this pace that person is going to be holding the door open for a long time so naturally i walk faster or even start to jog or run a bit um and then you say thank you yeah that happens um is it british does that not happen in other um countries too hmm you know what my so i live here in germany and my my eldest daughter goes to the french school here and i can think of an example when this happened to me so i had to run because someone was holding the door open but then at the same time i can also think of times when i've done it for other people maybe it's a european thing i don't know number 20 having a barbecue as soon as the sun comes out okay so that's similar to 22 as soon as the sun comes out we get our shorts and sunglasses and we have a barbecue yes british people like to have barbecues in their garden but something i will say about most british barbecues is that we just get some burgers sausages chicken wings and whack them on the barbecue cook them and that's it there's no like marinating things for a few days and to get the sauce just right um there's no getting the right herbs and spices in my experience and this is a stereotype this is a generalization but i know that other countries like australia when they have a barbecue australians they really here's an idiom they really go to town they really um do a lot of special things and make a lot of nice side dishes and marinate the meat and um yeah it's different to a a british barbecue i would say where am i on my list that was number 20 okay 19 having meals based on what day it is having meals based on what day it is for example i mentioned already a sunday roast a sunday roast for some reason a roast dinner meaning like a big meat chicken beef pork or lamb which is cooked in the oven that's roasted and often the potatoes are cooked in the oven and some of the vegetables are cooked in the oven when you cook something in the the oven it is to roast traditionally we have a roast dinner on a sunday i don't know why in fact a roast dinner is something which shireen from an english nerd who is my guest this week you're going to hear her talk about that as well in her experiences of 
living in the UK. Another um, thing is Fishy Friday. Fishy Friday. People, maybe it's because of the double F, Fishy Friday. Some people, it's a traditional thing. Some people like to eat fish, either fish and chips or some other type of fish dish on a Friday. But we don't have, what else could we have? We could have, um, wok Wednesdays where we cook stuff in a wok on a Wednesday. Um, what else could we have? Uh, Monday. Meat? Meatball Mondays? Yeah, why not? We just don't. I don't know why. Sunday roast, fishy Friday. These things happen. Number 18. Not complaining in a restaurant when the food is bad. Not complaining in a restaurant when the food is bad. And I suppose this is like number... What number was it? Uh, number 26. Being tolerant. This is re- this is really an example of being tolerant. And I, I do this. I go to a restaurant. The food comes. Perhaps it's a bit cold. Perhaps it took a long time to arrive. Perhaps something is cooked wrong, undercooked or overcooked. I won't complain. I'll just sit there and eat it. But maybe... I probably won't go back to that restaurant again. Or if I do, I certainly won't order the same thing. But I won't complain. Okay, number 17. Pulling together in a crisis. Pulling together in a crisis. So a crisis is an emergency situation. And to pull together means to cooperate with people, to work together to solve a problem. I would like to think that most nationalities pull together in a crisis. Um, I think this comes from a, the World War Two spirit of everybody in a in a family or in a community coming together, pulling together to try to get through it. Um, it's something British people believe believe that they do. Um, whether they do in actual fact, I'm not sure. Number sixteen. Being proud of where you are from is a British thing. Come on, isn't that... Aren't there people in lots of countries who are proud of where they're from? Um, Now, you could say nationalistic, but these days the word nationalistic often has links with racism. Yeah? It often implies I'm nationalistic, meaning I don't want any immigrants in my country. I want it to stay how it is because I love it this way. So I hesitate to say the word nationalistic. So being proud of where you are from. Okay. Uh, okay, 15. Eating fry-ups for breakfast. Oh my goodness. I love to eat fry-ups for breakfast. What's a fry-up? A fry-up is sausage fried, bacon fried, eggs fried, mushrooms, fried, tomatoes, fried, baked beans, not fried, baked beans are um, beans in a sweet tomato sauce, and they are delicious, Um, you could also have fried bread with it, Um, very unhealthy, often people have toast instead, it's a traditional English breakfast, in fact, in many restaurants, on the menu, this is called an English breakfast. And I've got to say, I love a fry-up. 
but I here in Germany there are no restaurants where I can go to have a fry up. But when I used to live in London, most Sundays I would go with my girlfriend and we would get the weekend papers and we would go and get a fry up in a in a cafe or a pub. Yeah, I miss that. Uh, yes, I agree. That's a very British thing. Number fourteen is sarcasm. Sarcasm being, here's the adjective, sarcastic. So this is a form of humour, a way of being funny, and it's saying the opposite of what you mean in order to be funny, or to, or sometimes to criticise things. Um, oh, I didn't write any examples on my notes, so okay. This is not British, this is American, but if you know the TV show Friends, the character Chandler is extremely sarcastic. In my opinion, he is too sarcastic, but he's hmm, he's sometimes sarcastic in an outlandish way. Um, but British people would be sarcastic in a less obvious way. When I was at university, I went to see a really, really terrible movie. The worst movie I've ever seen. Scary Movie 2. It was... Never watched this movie. It was really, really terrible. But after the movie, I came back to my flat share and one of my housemates said, Oh, how was the film? I, <laughs> I said, This film, I've got to tell you, I laughed. I cried. It's changed my life. It's made me think about what I want to do with my life. There, are, there were so many amazing characters, and just the film really came together. I think it's the best film I've ever seen. And you know, if I'd said that about I don't know what other uh, any other if I'd said that about Forrest Gump or something like that, maybe my flatmate would have said, "Oh, okay." But my flatmate knew what kind of movie this was. And he just laughed and said, yeah, right, okay, okay, so it's so it's a bad movie, yeah? Yeah, of course, I was being sarcastic. There you go, an example of sarcasm. Number 13, having good manners. Having good manners. Manners are doing polite, socially acceptable things. For example, we talked about holding the door open for someone. This is considered good manners. And when they are very close behind you, Yes, it's fine. When they're far away from you, okay, there's the strange issue that we talked about there. Uh, holding the door open is polite. Saying please and thank you is polite. Uh, what is another example of having good manners? If you're in the supermarket queue and there's a pregnant lady or somebody who is having difficulty because maybe they are old or they are, they've got some screaming kids with them and you say... Do you want to go in front of me? It's fine. That's good manners. Or if you've got a really massive lot of food that you're buying at the supermarket, someone comes behind you and they just want to buy one thing, you say, hey, would you like to go in front of me? This is good manners. Good manners. 12. Having a dry sense of humour. Having a dry sense of humour. What's a dry sense of humour? A dry sense of humour is when the joke is not obvious. Perhaps it's said in a, in a normal or serious tone of voice 
and um, sometimes it plays on like misleading or unexpected details, a dry sense of humor. Basically, it's it's telling a joke, but not making clear that it's a joke, and people might have to think about it or laugh because it's so bizarre. Um, it's basically not how American TV comedies are. American TV comedies are very outlandish and big gestures and you know when someone is telling a joke because you hear the laughter and they have really um, up and down intonation in their voice but a dry sense of humor the joke is more subtle here are some examples of jokes which are dry sense of humor these are not my jokes these are jokes that I've heard from other comedians who I can't remember which comedians they were so I can't credit but here we go here's a dry sense of humor joke don't you hate it when somebody answers a question with a question i really hate that like the other day i said to someone hey what time do you serve breakfast here and they said back why are you in my house okay i think that joke is hilarious i really like that joke that's a dry sense of humor joke here's another one the first time i had sex me and her were very nervous and sort of self-conscious about our bodies so she said hey why don't we turn the lights off and i said sure so we turned the lights off and then we crashed straight into an oncoming car right you you think they're talking about the lights in the room but he was talking about the lights on the car dry sense of humor joke i i know you're all laughing to that right now that's for me as a british person that's a really funny joke Okay, I think I have a dry sense of humour, so if you like a dry sense of humour, hopefully some of it will come across in this podcast. Here's number 11. Having a stiff upper lip. Having a stiff upper lip. What is a stiff upper lip? If you have a stiff upper lip, it means you don't express emotion. You try and hide your emotions. You, Even from yourself, you bury them deep inside not not showing people your feelings and it's called a stiff upper lip because okay your upper lip your top lip the top of your mouth you know if you smile or if you cry it will move but if it doesn't move then you have a stiff upper lip and if it doesn't move then you don't show any emotion are british people like this not if you watch um the x factor or most other reality tv shows there is always someone crying so um if if you follow british reality tv then you won't think the british have a stiff upper lip but in everyday society yeah i think perhaps we have more of a stiff upper lip than other nationalities but then it's difficult because it's not everybody um i have a bit of a stiff upper lip um yeah okay there we go it's here it's on the paper 11 having a stiff upper lip 10 going to the pub going to the pub is a very british thing and yes i like british style pubs what i miss about british style pubs now that i'm here in germany and before this i lived in in france and when i go to not a pub but a bar which they have out here um you sit at your table the waiter comes takes your drink order well firstly you have to wait for the waiter 
and hope that the waiter will see you and come over to you and then you order your drinks and then you have to wait for your drinks okay fine and then at the end of the night you get the bill there's the whole thing about okay who had what you may be a little bit drunk so it's difficult to remember somebody maybe forgets something or whoever is left at the end of the night there are some drinks which haven't been paid for I hate all this stuff I really hate that what I want is a British pub where you go to the bar you tell the barman or the bar lady what you want you buy it you take it back to your table you sit and drink it and another good thing about that is when you're at the bar you might start talking to somebody else or on your way to the bar you might start talking to someone else someone who's not in your group of friends someone who you didn't come to the pub with but here in in European bars you're at your table you don't move there's less chance of meeting other people and yeah I don't like that okay I've, I've gone on a bit of a tangent about that you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about missing going to the pub it's obviously my Britishness. Number nine. Dunking biscuits in tea. Dunking biscuits in tea. What's a biscuit? A biscuit is like a cookie. I mean we still have cookies in the UK and cookies are, you could say they are American style biscuits. Uh, but in England there are many different variations of biscuit, ginger biscuits, Lincoln biscuits, Garibaldi biscuits. Um, if you're not still not sure I recommend you Google image biscuits or just biscuit and uh, have a look and see all the delicious biscuits which you can have. It's a small dry sweet snack uh, which we traditionally have with tea but don't get confused because in America they have something called biscuits and they're not biscuits they're something completely different I'm not entirely sure what they are exactly okay so let's go back to dunking biscuits in tea to dunk is similar to the word to dip and it means to put something in liquid and quickly pull it back out again so if you're making tea some people dunk their tea bag they put it in and they dunk it a few times and then pull it out and that's there's, there's the tea and then you can have a biscuit which is dry but if you dunk it in the tea it makes the biscuit a little bit moist a little bit wet and some people think it brings the flavor out I used to dunk biscuits in tea I don't anymore uh, but some people do dunking biscuits you know what I, I never see anybody dunk biscuits in tea in a business meeting it's more of a thing you do at home or when you're at a friend's house it's not I don't want you to go to a, a a meeting if you have a meeting in England and maybe there's some tea and some biscuits and you dunk your biscuit in your tea um what would the reaction be nothing but it would be it would be, it would be a little bit strange I think eight saying please and thank you I, th I think it's it's in it, well, it's part of that being polite and having good manners um, but I would like to think that other nationalities find it important to say please and thank you also or obviously their translation of it okay number seven saying sorry too frequently this is something that people say about British people and I 
I hadn't thought about it before um, I studied abroad and people started saying, oh, British people say sorry all the time. Really? Sorry about that. Oh, wait, I just did it. And it's a bit true. Like, if you walk down the street and someone bumps into you, it's completely that person's fault. They weren't looking. Maybe they were looking at their phone. Um, and then you say sorry. Even though it wasn't your fault. This is a common thing which happens in England. Saying sorry for something which is not your fault. Number six. Using tea as a cure for everything. Now, I'm not talking about medically. Just, you know, if you're stressed, have a cup of tea. If, um, I can't think of another example now. Okay, let's move on. Number six. No, that was number six. Number five. Okay, we're getting closer to that. Number one. Number five. Liking fish and chips. <laughs> liking fish and chips makes you British. I don't like fish and chips. I love fish and chips. Whenever I go back to the UK, it's always the first thing, the first meal I will have. In, oh, I think I say that in in the uh, in the chat with Shireen later on. Yeah, I'm going to talk about fish and chips later on. But yes, I don't know a British person who doesn't like fish and chips um, unless they're a vegetarian or a vegan. And in which case, I'm sure they still like it. They just choose not to have it. Number four, putting the kettle on in a crisis. Putting the kettle on in a crisis. So the kettle is the machine which boils water to make tea. And we say, put the kettle on. And this, this is a collocation. We don't say, turn the kettle on. You know, we might say, turn the stereo on. Uh, turn the washing machine on. But we say, put the kettle on. I will tell you why. It's because nowadays, kettles are electric. But in the past, you had to fill your metal kettle, metal kettle, and put it on the hob, on a, on the flames, on, on, you know, the, the hob is the thing on top of the oven where you put pans or frying pans or saucepans. Okay. So put the kettle on means put the kettle on the heat. And now we don't have to put it on anything, but we still say put the kettle on. In fact, there's a children's song, a nursery rhyme, a traditional children's song called Polly put the kettle on which I will not sing for you. Um, Google it if you want to hear the song. Polly put the kettle on. Okay. Uh, you know what? Putting the kettle on in a crisis, I think that's similar to number six, using tea as a cure for everything. Yeah. It happens in British dramas too. You know, maybe someone will come into the room and say, oh, I'm on a terrible day. My boyfriend's broken up with me. And then the friend will say, oh, sit down, I'll put the kettle on. Okay, so it's it's a fix. Number three, having a roast dinner on Sundays. Again, we're talking about roast dinners. It's obviously very British. It's way up there at number three. Number two, queuing. Queuing. To queue. To stand in line and wait for something. And British people do this well because we hate, I hate, queue jumpers. Queue jumpers. People 
who don't queue, they don't go to the end of the queue, they just go to the front, straight to the front of the queue, or in the middle of the queue, somewhere near the front. Um, this is also called cutting in line, or just cutting in. Um, I hate that. If if you are in England, or Scotland, or Wales, or Northern Ireland, and there's a queue, and you don't go to the back of the queue, you go in the middle, I guarantee somebody will say something. Somebody will say, hey, uh, excuse me, the back of the queue is over there. No one will be happy about it. It's not easy to do. Um, yeah, and I've been in other countries where they don't queue at all. For example, I was in India and uh, at a train station and the train came and everybody piled onto the train and really pushed everybody and really struggled. There was a big crowd and everyone had just like rushed to get on the train. And I was thinking, oh no, obviously it's it's going to be a very busy train. Everyone's rushing because there are no seats. But when we got on the train, there were plenty of seats and the train didn't leave immediately. So why didn't they just... You would, to be fair, you wouldn't queue. No, you would queue. Sometimes, you know, when I go to get on a train here, there's people outside the door. I won't go in front of them. I would wait behind that person who's obviously next to go in the door and the next person would wait behind me uh yeah and the same thing happened in china also also at a train station yeah oh and one time i was queuing uh in spain what was i queuing for in spain oh i'd lost something at and i went to a bus station to the lost and found and i was standing in the queue and several people cut in line and the person who was working behind the desk didn't say anything, just let them do it. Didn't like that. And the number one thing which makes British people British. Are you ready? I should put some music in here. Here's some music. It's... Talking about the weather! Talking about the weather is something which British people do a lot. That's a stereotype, I think. Although it is true that whenever I talk with my parents on a video chat, they do often talk about how the weather is that day and how it's been and compare it with me. Um, yeah, okay. You know what, in the weather, the, sorry, <laughs> in England, the weather is constantly changing all the time. So. I think it's a natural topic to talk about. Also, you, you you meet someone, you both have the same experience, you both experienced weather, it's a great thing to start talking about. Okay. So there you go. There were the top 30 thring, things. So there you go. There were the top 30 things which make British people British. So there you go. There were the top 30 things which make British people British. And you can find some of the key vocabulary there in the description for this podcast and also on the video version of this podcast. Now it's time to talk to a teacher. And this week, Shireen from An English Nerd came back to talk to me again about her experiences of living in England. Let's have a listen. I'm a teacher. You're a teacher. Hey, teacher. 
Okay, so here's my podcast guest for this week. It's the same guest as last week because she was so fantastic. Shireen from An English Nerd, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me again. Okay, I can't believe it's been a week since we last spoke I, to each other. No, absolutely crazy. Time flies. <laughs> Time really flies, yeah. Okay, uh, Shireen mentioned to me that um, she lived in England. Uh, so I was thinking it would be great to hear an American's perspective uh, to what you thought about England. Um, by the way, if you want to, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast in which Shireen introduces herself, she's from uh, Minneapolis in Minnesota. And as I mentioned, she has a YouTube channel, Instagram and Facebook page called An English Nerd. Mm -hmm. So when why were you in Manchester in England? So <laughs> to start from the beginning, I lived in Abu Dhabi. And while I was living and teaching in Abu Dhabi, I worked with many British teachers and mm. many of my friends were British. And so that sparked my interest in, in Manchester. Some of my friends were from Manchester, really. So I went there to visit at first, and um, I ended up moving there to get my master's degree from the University of Manchester. Okay. But also, mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt. Did you um, think, oh, I want to go study in Manchester. Let's see what degrees they have. Or did you find they had a fantastic degree and you had to do that one? Well, if we're completely honest, I've left out a motivating detail. Um, my boyfriend's from Manchester. Ah. So, <laughs> yes. So that was, of course, another reason to go there. Um, oh, you didn't use the past and... tense. My boyfriend is from Manchester. Yes. Oh, it's happy. Yes. It's happy. <laughs> yes, it is happy. Um, so I did look for programs at the University of Manchester. Um, another driving factor for going to university in the UK is it is significantly cheaper than the US. Of course, so, yeah. You have to, uh, you have debt for the rest of your life a lot of the time. In, exactly. We could yeah. do a so, podcast just about that, I think, about, because it also makes it, makes education less accessible for all, all classes and, and income levels, right? And that's why the... Definitely. Um, scholarship system is so so important and so much competition there mm -hmm. if, if i had been more aware of the world when i was 18 i definitely would have gone to university for my bachelor's abroad and not stayed in the u.s um, because the quality of education is obviously just as good um, and a lot cheaper so hmm. Oh well, so we didn't do the yeah. we didn't do the when. Are you fresh back, or was this a few years ago? Uh, yeah, so I went there in twenty eighteen. Was it twenty eighteen? Yeah, twenty eighteen, and I finished my masters in twenty nineteen, or yeah, the start of twenty twenty, and then I ended up coming back here because of our lovely pandemic. So oh, my, so you, yeah. Normally, you would still be there right now. <laughs> Yeah, my visa was ending and um, there really was no alternative. 
I wouldn't have necessarily come home if there were other options, but it's oh, kind of home or nothing. No. So you're apart from your boyfriend? It's true. Okay. Oh, that's sad. Let's not talk about that. It's too sad. <laughs> uh, okay. So I am British, but I'm sad to say I've never actually been to Manchester. Really? Yeah, I know. It's like England, okay. the, the size that it is. Uh, and bec the reason is, you know, if I want to travel, normally I would go outside of the UK. Um, yeah. I visited other cities in the UK, but I would normally, because I'm from a city, I would often go to the countryside. I was just going go to, to say that. towns. That people end up going to, if, if from your accent, I can tell you're from the south. Yeah. Uh -uh. No. <laughs> it's it's no? oh, and it's completely um. It's not fair because I'm from right in the middle. Okay. So I, my you accent sound very has southern to me. Yeah, my accent has <laughs> some northern things and some southern things. But one of the main things I don't do, which is southern, is they would say bath and grass. Okay. But I say bath and grass. Oh, okay. Which is okay. which is a way British people know that I'm absolutely not southern. Interesting. Okay, what about the city? The city. My city. Of, no, the city of Bath. 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 Is, do you pronounce it Bath? Yeah, but that's a good question. Do people from the south pronounce it Bath? They do because I called it Bath, and my friend from London corrected me. <laughs> a very strong correction. Oh. <laughs> you mean Bath, don't you? <laughs> No. Oh, no, I definitely say Bath. Okay. I've been to All Bath. Right. It's very nice. Yeah, it's I'd love to go there. I haven't city. been there. Okay. Oh, well, I've not been to Manchester. So tell me about, tell me about Manchester. So I, I really like Manchester because it's, I don't, I don't want to say this wrong, but it's kind of like a, I think because of its industrial heritage, I think of it as kind of a a rough and dirty city. I don't know how to say that in another way. Um, like it's very real. It's yeah. not prim and proper. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, it's like a working class city. Maybe because I think dirty was not the right word. I don't mean dirty actually. Like you mean garbage. Like on dirty, the floor. like polluted because of all the factories. It's like a dirty city, you know. <laughs> oh, like rough and ready and. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, dirty in a positive way. I don't know if this is going to translate well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It depends what you're into, if the dirty is a good thing or not. I, I just mean, like, I feel like you can, you can wear your tennis shoes all the time. Americans say tennis shoes. Um, what do you call them? In uh, trainers. British English. Trainers, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like you can wear tennis shoes to any event in Manchester and it's fine. It's perfectly fine um, just because it's that kind of a city. Okay, like yeah, it. it's, not, it's not formal. Yeah. It's casual all the time. Yeah. That kind of dirty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And what, what things are there to visit? Like if I was going to Manchester and I knew that you'd been, I, I, I might say, Shireen, I'm going to Manchester for a day. I've only got a day. What should I go and see? Well, so I was surprised by the fact that Manchester is actually not that big um, because I know, I think it's the third, third biggest city in the UK. 
I think, right? After Birmingham. I think London, Birmingham, Manchester, yeah, Manchester. and then maybe Liverpool. I think yeah. that's the order. Um, so yeah, Birmingham's I've, definitely two, I've, so it's, it's likely to be three. Yeah, so I was expecting something bigger, but in reality, you can walk the whole of Manchester in one day easily. Um, Without going out into the suburbs, obviously, yeah. which are also a part of Manchester, but um, just the, like the city center, you can really walk the whole thing, and um, it's shaped like a circle. So if you start in the center and you just did like like a circle going outward, that's it. You got it. <laughs> okay, so I should do that. Yeah, go visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the main thing I liked about Manchester is being able to walk everywhere. Um, which is maybe something that is special really for an American because um, unless you're from New York or a big city like that, most of our, the way we get around usually is in a car. So I love the ability to walk around. Um, other than that, there's a couple of nice museums like the Museum of Science and Industry where you can see I suppose the exhibits are always changing, but because many things were, should I say, invented in Manchester, mm -hmm. um, they've got a lot of interesting things like the computer. Um, what else? They've got the the train, the first train. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. There, there are lots of cities that have like the first. <laughs> I think they have the first train. Well, it was a competition in Manchester one. Oh, okay. I know this. <laughs> oh, you've obviously learned when you went to the museum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a beautiful library as well. And I suppose these are things, though, that probably, as you just said, every city in the UK has. Everyone has a beautiful library. Uh, yeah, but museums are, are um, I'm going to say, hit and miss. Museums are hit and miss. All cities have museums. Um, the city where I'm from, Leicester, has a nice museum, but it's nothing like some of the museums in London, like the, the Natural History Museum, the Science Museum. Uh, you did just make me realize that, the, like, definitely the, there's no museums like the museums in London. So I take that back. If you've been to London, don't go to the museums in Manchester. Oh, really? Oh, so you have been to the museums in London? Yes. Okay, so the Manchester one is a little bit below, but it's still good. I mean, I think that the museums in London are probably some of the best museums I've ever been to mm. from any country that I've been to. So. And they're all free, right? That's one of the amazing yes. things. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's really, really good. What were some of the big cultural things that um, you found surprising that you weren't expecting? Not necessarily about Manchester, but just about being in England other than uh, being able to walk around and not have to drive for me it was actually really the fact that um where I'm from in the U.S. from Minnesota I guess we are kind of known for being um we talk a lot and we talk a lot with strangers and if I if I were to go for a walk in my neighborhood um if I saw a complete stranger, I mean, somebody I've never, ever seen before, I would still say, hi, how are you? Oh, it's a beautiful day outside. Like, we have to 
exchange some sort of dialogue with each other. Huh. Not just hello, like a full, there has to be something, a comment about the weather or <laughs> just something. Not only with the hairdressers, and with just anybody in the street. Yes, yeah. If, if they're walking their dog, I have to say something about their dog. Oh, what a lovely dog. Um, and But it's important to recognize that if I went somewhere else in the U.S., it's not necessarily like that. It's okay. a very Minnesota thing. And um, I struggled a bit with that in the U.K. because I kept trying to talk to people, and I think people thought I was crazy. Um, yeah, so this that, that was a big thing for me, learning that I can't just talk to strangers and have that be normal. It's a big hmm. cultural difference, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, I, so I don't know if that's a British thing or a Manchester thing. Um, it's definitely a London thing. Um, and people... Mm. In England, it's considered that in the north, and Manchester is in the north, but in the north, mm. but not in the cities, in like small towns and villages, people are more friendly and will just speak to you and you go into a shop and they'll ask how your day is. But yeah. London is renowned for, London is famous for um, people standing so close to each other that they're touching on the, on the underground. Yeah. And then just not saying a word. Okay. Or, or just trying not even to make eye contact. Um, so maybe think, Manchester's though, another in, big city. In a big city, though, even like in New York, if you're on the subway, you'd be close to someone and you wouldn't speak to them. Um, yeah, but I found people in New York to be friendlier and more open to conversation than... It. Although every time someone spoke to me in New York, they were like, oh, you're from England. And they'd want to... <laughs> but if I was just another American... Sorry, not just another American. If I wasn't foreign, they might not have been so interested to talk to me. I Tell me if I'm wrong. I think of the British as a little bit more private than Americans. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for all British people. but um, Yeah, of course not. But. Yeah, I would say, uh, well, one of the words which is often associated with Britishness is reserved, being reserved. Okay. And so that means not talking about your feelings, not letting your feelings show. Um, I don't think Keep it's strictly on. true, but yeah, exactly. That's our mantra. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's true in some ways, but um, obviously not every British person is like that. Um, am I? In some ways, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. And it's the same. I mean, we, I can't say that all Americans are open by any means. Um, it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about. Hmm. On another note, though, I've thought of something that was interesting about my experience. Um, I found that even though, obviously, we speak the same language, I was still nervous to do a lot of the things that I would be nervous to do if I was in a country that didn't speak my language. So oh. the fear of speaking, um, which was something I wasn't prepared for and didn't know that I would feel. Um, for example, getting on the bus and asking the bus driver for directions or if I was, you know, I needed to get off at a certain stop. I was always really nervous about that interaction, which 
is strange because we both speak English. So. Yeah. So for me, yeah, because I live in a in a country where I don't speak the language fully, and before I, yeah, like before I go to the hairdressers or before I have a situation that I've not had before, before I leave, I will look up some vocabulary that I might need.、Um, mm-hmm. But I guess you didn't have to do that, but you still have the same, like, are they going to understand me, kind of thing. Yeah, or the fear of of not being able to understand the accent. Ah, so did you have, have a problem? That was one of the、peach. questions I. I definitely wanted to ask. Okay, well, I got very used to it in the end,、um, but definitely when I first got there, it's not even just the accent. Some of the vocabulary, I kept hearing people say "ta," "ta," yeah. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> ta, ta is、uh, thank you, in、yeah. like informal, and it's quite a northern thing. I think people in where I'm from, some people might say it, but thinking, do people in London say "ta"? Maybe I don't know. I associate it more with the north. Everyone in Manchester says "ta," and I had to ask what it meant. I'm like, why do people keep saying "ta" to me? <laughs> <laughs> But so, you're, you're, so your boyfriend's from Manchester, and you met him in、yeah. Abu Dhabi. I actually met him when I was in Manchester. I was there just for a. I was there for a month. Oh, okay, because I was, was going to say、yeah. when you went there, you must have been familiar with the accent a bit, or does he not have a strong accent? I mean, yeah. So I was familiar with the accent, but I guess he never said "ta" to me or some <laughs> other words. Probably because he would know that I wouldn't know them. So yeah, okay. Adjusting his vocabulary a bit. This is interesting. What other words、uh, did you have to learn? Um, gosh, can I think of any other words? Maybe not necessarily just single words, but there are definitely phrases that I could get from context. Yeah, but, phrases and idioms.、Um, yeah, for sure. But some new phrases. The one thing I think is very cute that Americans don't do, but the British do, is when they call a woman or a girl chicken. I think that's quite cute. <laughs> yeah, chicken, chicken, not chick, chicken. Chicken, all right, chicken. All right, chicken. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that must be a Manchester thing. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Before. Oh, that's、like、that's、chicken. interesting because in England, in in Leicester, where I'm from, it's a very Leicester thing to say. To call a woman me duck. Oh, so not not my even cuter. Not my duck, <laughs> but me. Because in in Manchester they do that as well. Instead of saying my, they say、yeah. me. Like, oh, where's my、yeah. phone? Mm-hmm.、Uh, all right, me duck. Not、uh, not duck. just women,、uh, women and men, but it's a female.、Uh, me duck. All right, me duck. How you doing? Yeah, so chicken. Hmm. <laughs> Actually, in general, now that we bring this up, I think that that I noticed、um, a lot more of those endearing terms used among strangers, me duck or or、yeah. love or、um, even like sweetheart. I heard that just interactions like in a coffee shop and stuff.、Oh, you have to be careful though, because for example, if I was if I was a boss and I I had a,、um, I was interviewing a female for a, for a, A job role, and I, and I said something like, "Okay, sweetheart, tell us about your、uh, experiences." That would be like, yeah. Um, yeah, you're you're right. And actually, I wondered if it was more of more taboo in the U.S. than it was in the U.K. because I heard it so much. But I think it depends on the situation completely.、Um, and、yeah. I think in the past it was used a lot more. Like in TV shows, you would hear it a lot more. 
But now, if, if a character says that in a TV show, they might be considered, you know, a misogynist or something. Um, yeah, but true. Yeah, it's, some people are drawing the lines in different places. Um, I wanted to say something. Oh, yeah, endearing um, terms like that. One of the most common things to call a stranger is mate. Mm. Like, you get on the bus, and when you get off, yeah. you say, cheers, mate. The mate, mate meaning friend, although, you know, mm-hmm. it's not your friend, just someone, a stranger. Yeah, so my question is, would you ever say that to someone who is a friend? Or is that purely for Yeah, well, you, you refer to your friends as, oh, I'm going out with my mates tonight. Yeah. Or, where are you? Oh, I'm, I'm at my mate's house. Yeah. So one thing I, I wanted to ask you was, um, how did you feel about English food? Because whenever I speak with French or German people, they, they laugh. At the British food, they think it's nothing special. How did you find it? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's nothing special. It's certainly um, not. I, I can't say American food is any more special <laughs> than British food. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed was like the Sunday roasts um, that I had both in homes, like home cooked Sunday roasts, mm-hmm. and in pubs and restaurants um yeah sunday roast so what can you explain what a sunday roast is for the for the english learners sure okay so what i experienced from a sunday roast is that i mean it's called a roast because some sort of meat is roasted yeah to roast roast uh so it's to cook meat in an oven is to roast yes so either a roasted chicken or um uh beef or ham or turkey right those are the options or if you're a vegetarian a nut roast no yeah which i never tried actually i like it i'm not a vegetarian but i do like a nut roast okay, yeah i'll have to try that um and the best part of the roast dinner would be all of the sides which i think you guys call trimmings do you call them trimmings do yeah. i make that up is that um, an american thing i thought that was I think it's maybe it's American with all the trimmings. I don't know. So all of the sides are definitely my favorite part. Roast potatoes, delicious. Um, There's carrots, right? Carrots and swede. What else did I experience? Brussels Um, sprouts, maybe. Brussels sprouts, yeah, and the Yorkshire pudding, which I know is is a staple element. Yeah. Well, it's a strange thing. The, so the Yorkshire pudding is, it's like, a, it's similar to a pancake in that it's made from a batter, like with flour, uh, egg and butter, but it's very heavy on the butter and it's not flat like a pancake. Um, it rises, right? Yeah, it rises. Well, if you're good at making them, they rise. I've never even tried yeah. to make one, but my mum uh, makes okay ones. My grandma used to make fantastic ones. Um, but the thing about Yorkshire pudding, which I've never understood, is you're only supposed to have it if the meat you have is beef. I did not know that. Yeah, to have Yorkshire puddings with chicken is wrong. I mean, people do it. Do you think it's wrong? If there's a Yorkshire pudding on my plate, I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if it's not beef. But, um, some people might say, what are you doing? You can't, you can't have Yorkshire pudding without beef. So there are rules to the Sunday roast. 
Um, but also, I think that the number one rule for the British is to cover their plate in gravy. Absolutely, there has to be gravy.、Um, yeah, and I'm, See, I'm. I don't like gravy all over all of my food, and、oh. I notice that it is poured all over everything. Well, well, I think.、Um, The best way to do it, and at most most,、uh, would you get a Sunday roast in restaurants? It would be more like a gastro pub, right? Yeah, that's where I've had some really fancy posh Sunday roasts. Yeah,、um, most places would give you the gravy, which is like a, a kind of a bitter brown sauce, quite thick. Most mostly they would give you the gravy in a jug, so that you put it on yourself,、mm. because yeah. Other people share your view. Some people like to absolutely cover their meal in gravy, and other people, oh, don't let it touch the potatoes. I want them to stay crispy, or don't let it touch the、yeah. meat, or something like that. Yeah. I think I'm in between. If there's too much gravy, it can ruin it. But、um, I don't care where it is on the plate. I don't like gravy on my vegetables, so I don't know. Okay, I think that's the title of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I don't like gravy on my vegetables. <laughs>、uh, I think that's my commentary about the British cuisine. Okay, that. Well, you mentioned roast. Are there any other foods that you tried for the first time in the UK? Um. Oh, loads. I know that there's loads. I had never had a pasty. A pasty. Yeah, I wish I had, we had pasties here. So, pasties are、uh, like a. Oh well, you better describe it. It's like a pastry that is stuffed, almost like an empanada. Empanada, yeah.、Um, uh, right? Am I right? I don't know. Do I have the right that's food? That, that's a Mexican、oh. <laughs> dish. Yes, it's it it is a pastry、um, that kind of looks like okay. Another food, a calzone, looks kind、yeah. of like a calzone. A、yeah. folded and pizza, stuffed with、um, meat and potatoes. Or other things. I think the one I had was meat and potatoes. Yeah, there are loads of different fillings you can have in a pasty. It's, yeah.、Mm-hmm. Also, pies. Pies, very good. Not that I haven't had a pie before, but they were different in the UK. Like I had never had a cheese and onion pie. Is it that in the in the US you have sweet dessert pies like apple pie and cherry pie, but you don't have the savory meat pies? Wow. You know we have a chicken pie, but we call it a chicken pot pie. I don't know why, but it's a chicken pot pie, so that's how we differentiate. But usually, if you say pie, our mind goes to sweet, not savory.、Hmm. Yeah. Basically, a lot of pastry in British.、Food. Yes, there's a lot of pastry. It's true. <laughs>、uh, I miss it being here in Germany.、Uh, yeah, they have pastries,、yeah. but、uh, it's not the same. <laughs> I guess people will always miss their food from home. I think. Yeah, that's true.、Uh, yeah, for sure.、Uh, you know what? One thing I really miss is、uh, fish and chips. Oh yeah, I forgot about fish and chips. Delicious. Yeah. Oh, good. It's <laughs>、yeah. good to hear a non-English person agree. And actually, <laughs> the mushy peas. Yum. Yes, I I can't have fish and chips without mushy peas. Whenever I go back to the UK, my parents know that. It's the first. It's the meal that we're having the day that I land, fish and、okay. chips. Okay. And、uh, it's the meal that I'm having on the way back from the pub, 
with my brothers, sometimes the same day. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about fish and chips. Yeah, that's delicious. Definitely. Way better than the Americans take on fish and chips, for sure. Oh, what's the difference? Is it not battered or it's... No, I mean, we order fish and chips here thinking, like, this is British food. Um, but the fish, I was surprised in the UK, you get, like, one gigantic piece of fish. It's pretty massive. Whereas here, yeah, here it would be small pieces. Normally, so. I wouldn't have a whole portion of fish and chips. I would split it with someone. Yeah. And an interesting thing about ordering fish and chips, well, if you have fish and chips in a in a, re in a bar in the UK, it won't be fish and chips. It will be some okay. fish and some chips. You have to go to a fish and chip shop to get fish and chips. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's the, the special fryer they have. Um, yeah, and when you go in, you, you say, you order fish and chips once, please, or fish and chips twice. Or half fish oh. and chips. Yeah, you didn't notice that? No. Yeah, fish and chips once is like a standard portion. If you want two portions, you say fish and chips twice. I don't know why. It's just a, Interesting. a quirky ordering thing about fish and chips. Only fish and chips, though? You yeah, can't do I think that with so. other foods? No, um, burger twice. No, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> try, try it in McDonald's. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> well, anyway, this has uh, made me really hungry, so I'm going to go and have some food now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. Okay, Nishreen, thanks a lot for joining me. Um, it's been great talking to you this week and last week. Um, everybody definitely go and check out her Instagram, especially. She's very prolific on Instagram. Story, stories every day, right? You post stories every day? Yeah, I do post mostly uh -huh. every day. Yeah. And you can get into one of her 30-day challenges and uh, other programs that she has going. Uh, also, she's on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, and you put out some really good content. That's why I had you as uh, my first guest. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, actually, another reason I had you as my first guest is that um, when I sent, when I posted my first post about I'm going to have a podcast, you were the first person to like it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, you did. You loved it. So I thought, well, that's that's enthusiasm I can get on board with. She could be my first guest. So I'm, I'm well, really glad you came. it's been a pleasure. An absolute honor to be here. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, I'm sure I'll have you on again in the future. Um, but have a great day. You too. Thank you so much again. Thanks. Bye. Bye. There we go. Thanks to Shireen for coming back. It's so nice of her to come back for a second week. Okay, now it's time for my phrasal verb of the week. Phrasal verb of the week. And I will always try to link these phrasal verbs to whatever subject we're talking about. So, in the Britishness uh, top 30 things. One of the things was being tolerant. Being tolerant. Tolerating things. And there is a phrasal verb to use to talk about this and it's to put up with. To put up with something. If you put up with something, it means you... It means you tolerate it. It means you accept something which you don't like or you, you don't complain about something which is unpleasant. You just let it happen. And I thought of an example of something that I put up with. So my wife and I, we both like to watch TV. But unfortunately, we don't like to watch all the same TV shows. And she sometimes chooses some TV shows which 
I wouldn't watch if I was alone, but because I want to spend time with her, I tolerate it. So I tolerate these TV shows. I watch them mostly uh, American comedies with fake laughter or some reality TV shows. Um, I'll tolerate them. I will put up with them. I'll sit there and I'll watch them with her. But then sometimes she will choose other TV shows which I can't put up with. TV shows where they say, oh my god, too much. I can't, I can't put, or where they say, like, like, and I was like that, and then she was like that, and like, I don't know, because like, I can't put up with TV shows like that. That like was a genuine, real usage of like. Okay, I, I'm not trying to say that my wife has bad taste in TV, because sometimes she chooses some great shows, which... I don't have to put up with because I want to watch them. Other times she chooses shows which I will put up with, I would watch it, it's not what I would choose, and other times she chooses shows which I will not put up with. But hey, it's the same both ways. She she won't watch Star Wars with me, uh, and recently the Star Wars TV show The Mandalorian came out and she said, oh okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a try. And the opening scene is in a bar and there are some non- humans in there and she said wait there are monsters in this i'm out she couldn't put up with it she decided not to watch it with me so i watched it alone which was fine okay so there was my phrasal verb of the week to put up with phrasal verb of the week and now it's time to learn from a learner it's time to learn, time to learn, from the learners, English learners, learners, it's your turn. And you might have noticed that I didn't say learn from the learners, I said learn from a learner, because this week I put a question out on Instagram and Facebook and I only had one response, just one. Maybe it wasn't a good question to be fair um but come on guys you know this is your chance to have some speaking practice and to be corrected on your english which normally british people are too polite to do so uh when i ask you a question on instagram or facebook it would be really great if you could send me a voice message or a video uh with your response and then you can be in the podcast uh and i will criticize you <laughs> that sounds terrible i will give you some guidance okay this week i asked you what british things do you like and why so chen from taiwan sent me her answer um chen likes the weather so we're going to listen to chen and as you listen i want you to answer in your head this question here's the question does she prefer summer or winter so as you listen to chen Try to answer the question, does she like, does she prefer summer or winter? Here's Chen. Hi, it's Chen from Taiwan. I love um, British weather, especially in summer, because the daytime is longer and the temperature is quite nice. So I can do a lot of things in summer and enjoy the day and 
enjoy the sunshine and the weather. It's pretty nice here. Okay, so there you go. She prefers the summer. She prefers it when the weather is nice.、Um, most people do, right? And she can enjoy the day and enjoy the sunshine, and it's pretty nice here. She said. There's really not much I can pull out here. It was a really, really good answer. Some great English. I'm sure all of the listeners understood it. I certainly did.、Um, and it, yeah, if you say if you speak to a native speaker like this, it will be fine.、Uh, as an English teacher, there's something that I'm going to say, but please note that this is not important. You don't really need to change this. But your pronunciation of the word temperature, temperature. So count the syllables. Temperature. I'm saying three, and the last syllable is. I don't pronounce the t. It's more of a ch sound. Temperature. But this is a very common thing that non-native English speakers will say temperature, temperature, with four syllables, which I can completely understand. It looks like it should be temperature, because it's one of those stupid English spellings. And I'm sure in the past maybe we did say temperature, but people now say temperature. Temperature. It's really not important, Chen.、Um, and another thing is, this is something that my English teacher always said to me. You use the word nice two times, and nice is an adjective where you can always find. Something stronger, and if you say nice all the time, it's not nice. <laughs> okay, so、um, you said the temperature is nice, and you said it's pretty nice here. So let's let's think of some、um, alternatives for the temperature is nice. You can say the temperature is pleasant, the temperature is just right, the temperature is spot on, or simply the temperature is warm. Okay, all these things are implied if you say nice. But if you use some of these other adjectives, you're being a little bit more descriptive, and not just saying nice. Okay, well done, Chen. Thank you so much for、uh, sending me your response.、Um, I hope I have more responses next time. I don't know what the question will be yet, but follow me on Instagram and Facebook, and in my stories or in my feed,、uh, you will find a question. Send me. A voice message or a video message, and be in the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so that's the end of this episode of the English with Rob podcast. If you listened all the way to the end, thank you so much. I really hope that you find、um, my content useful. If there's anything else you want me to talk about, please leave a comment in one of my posts on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, and. I will see what I can do. I'm looking for content to put in these podcasts. I've got a lot of ideas, but if my learners are generating the content, then I can really give you exactly what you want. See you in the next episode. Bye.